Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kerry Kermode. This week I catch up with Zoe Grundy, who's opening a Manx Cat Cafe. And I find out from the project manager of the Queenspeer Restoration Trust about how things have been going on the first phase of the pier restoration. Well, welcome to another Countryside programme with Kiri and Simon. And yeah, things on the farm, Kiri, uh, moving slowly. People have been getting in. We've had a bit of rain, but uh, we, we moaned about it months ago <laughs> that you couldn't get on the ground. And now now we it's still a bit dry, isn't it? It is. The rain has come and it's been very, very welcome. And it's certainly changed the colour of the countryside. But my golly, it's been bitterly cold, especially for May. We've had an awful lot of sunshine through April as they recorded a record month, but it was so bitterly cold, you know, with the frosts in the morning and, you know, not getting the, the heat that we need to grow the silage crops. Um, I know that Will Duggan there at uh, Balavel and Balasala, he's silaged and um, they snatched a few good days there, a bit of sunshine, but I'm not sure whether some of the other boys would be uh, ready compared to what they are normally um, whether there's the uh, substance within the crop I'm not sure but um, just need some warmth now Simon Yeah I haven't seen any of the uh, silage harvesters forage harvesters out the north yet so. No they were saying uh, Alan Tia was on the phone there the other day and he was saying that they were desperate to get a bit of uh, thickness through the crops um, it had been very very dry and they were desperate for rain so hopefully this rain will uh, help things along Yes, but talking about helping things along, helping to promote the the old Manx cats and things like that and the culture of the Island Man, you've been speaking to somebody who's uh, put a bit of a new venture up in that area. Indeed, Zoe Grundy, um, who we all know from Milan Vets as a veterinary nurse, uh, has always loved Manx cats and she actually keeps a few of the real proper Manx cats here. They have the, as she'll explain in in our interview there, um, how the Manx cat is and where it's come from originally. But she is now opening at the end of the month a cafe, a Manx cat cafe. And I caught up with Zoe at the Manx cat cafe to see what it was all about. Well, Zoe, I couldn't have met you in a nicer cafe. I believe this is a, a little project on the side of all the rest of the work you've been doing, but we'll talk about that just now. How did the love for Manx cats come about? Because obviously you're a, a Lancashire lass here on the Isle of Man now. Yeah. Um, so I moved over in 91 with my parents. And um, when I left school, I was here for, at school for two years. And then when I left school, I went into veterinary nursing. Um, and we got a Manx cat, which was a pet of ours, and um, I fell in love with the breed, basically. Absolutely adore them. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of gone from there, and obviously I love animals anyway, so, um, yeah. That's... Brilliant. And Manx cats is something that we don't really see around the streets very much anymore on the island. No, we don't. Um, unfortunately, numbers have declined. Um, you tend to find you get Manx cats from uh, farms and small holdings where they have cats anyway for vermin control, which is what they're very good at. Um, <laughs> and then you have um, people like me who um, are registered. So I'm a registered cat breeder. So I have to go through all the proper channels of getting them registered with the GCCF and they have to be health screened, blood typed, uh, vaccinated, microchipped, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then they keep track of what cats I have and who I breed to who. So that's the um, official way of doing it, if you like. Um, and then obviously you have pet breeders. So you have people that just have Manx cats and have kittens off them. Um, so yeah. 
So you're saying before that, the, like I said, you don't see many cats pottering around in the streets, especially the short-tailed Manx traditional cat as, as we, we know it. But obviously there's a bit of a variation between the, the Manx cat with no tail. Yeah, so a lot of people um, understand a Manx as being a rumpy. So the ones that you see on postcards and on the front of books and things like that. So you can actually get four different tail lengths. Uh, rumpy is no tail at all. So basically, it's just the end of the spine and then no tail. Then you get what's called a riser, which is anything between one and three vertebrae. So they practically look like a rumpy, but sometimes you'll see the little spines sort of flicker up at the end. Then you've got stumpy, which is anything between a riser and a full tail. So you can actually get cats, manx, that have full tail. So you have the four tail lengths. So there could be more Manx cats pottering around, genetically more Manx cats, but with a long tail. Absolutely, yeah. Um, one of my friends, who's also a breeder, um, but she's also a judge on cats, um, British Shorthairs and Manx, for the shows in the UK. And she came over on holiday and she went to um, the MSPCA um, and she said most of the cats that were in there had tails and she reckoned 95% of them were Manx. Goodness, that's, that's great to know, isn't it, really? Because yeah. we always think, oh, because it's got no tail, it's not Manx, they're just an ordinary yeah. house cat. Yeah, but there are other things that, that show you that a Manx cat is a Manx cat, regardless of the tail. So a lot of people say they have, or oh, they probably know this, they've got long hind back legs, rabbity. They're ah, so basically, yeah, so they're quite hair-like. So they're very rounded in shape. So they have a round head, round shoulders, round butt. Um, but yeah, their back legs are longer. Um, their ears are quite slanted, so they're oblique, and their ears tend to curl a little bit on the end. Oh, wow. So there are other things you can look at and say, right, that has got Manx in it, I know it's got Manx in it. And you tend to find the tailed version of a Manx has a longer tail than, say, domestic short hair. So a tailed, which I, I know sounds a bit bizarre because you expect <laughs> them to have no tail, yeah, yeah. but a tailed Manx has a very long tail. Well, so these the are way. certainly all points that we can all look out for now because obviously, like I say, we, we just sort of stereotype the postcard, like you mentioned, the little pin badge, yep. a cat with no tail, but obviously these little things we can look mm. out for. But you're involved with lots of stuff, Zoe. Um, obviously, you've got your groups on Facebook as well that people can get involved with, mm -hmm. yeah, the cat clubs. Yeah, um, so I've, well, I've got my breeder page, obviously, on um, Facebook. So I don't advertise my cats on there, but I do have a website as well if people want to get in touch, whether that's to go on the waiting list for a Manx cat or they just want to ask questions if they've got Manxes or into breeding, anything like that. Um, so that's Triskley Manx Cats. And then we, myself and a few of my friends, formed the Manx Cat Alliance, which is basically a cat club um, to help other people. So if you are a breeder already, whether it's Manx or not Manx, whether um, you just have questions about breeding, whether you have questions about the breed, anything like that. Um, so basically it's just a support group really. And with this Zoe, there's a lot of people join the clubs and obviously get in touch with you. And obviously now you've opened this um, Manx Cat Cafe. Yes. It's very new. Um, I think I've had a sneaky preview, haven't I? Yes, you have, yeah. So, um, obviously being a lover of animals in general, but cats and the Manx cat, I'm very passionate about it. Um, I started thinking about the idea in 2019, and I did a lot of research. There were quite a lot of cat cafes in the UK, more than what you think, to be honest. Um, so I researched it, and it was a bit of a long journey. Um, we had to buy things, research, look into websites, properties, insurance, um, all that sort of stuff. And then we were um, stuck at finding a suitable property, and that was within our budget. Uh, we eventually found somewhere, simply by luck, to be fair, 
Um, and so we started looking into that and literally a week before we were due to sign the lease, we went into lockdown one. Oh, no. So the launch of the cafe has certainly been put on hold. Yeah, and then obviously when we came out of lockdown, we were then able to do all the renovations because we've literally had to do everything from the floor to the ceiling. Um, We've had to retrofit it, obviously, for the cats. So we've got scratching posts and we've got the... Um, runways, as my husband likes, the high shelves which they can go. And the idea for, like you just said, the scratching posts and, and the shelves, yeah. is this so people can bring their own cats or are these your cats? No, these are my cats. So if people were bringing their own cats, it would literally be carnage. <laughs> so not all cats get on and literally it would be a cat fight. So I have obviously my own Manx cats because I breed anyway. Um, some of them are not suitable to bring down, so I can't bring my stud cat, obviously, because he would just annihilate the place. <laughs> um, and one of my cats is actually a British blue, um, but she's older now, so she, she's sort of retired. Um, so out of the cats that I've got, I've got five that I can bring. I probably wouldn't have five here to start off with. I'd probably only have maybe three or four just until we well hopefully get a bigger property (laughs) well where you are here zoe though is a lovely perfect situation you know it's right in the heart of town yes it is yes um that again was luck um because we were looking at properties in ramsey castletown a bit more you know out of out of the way and we actually knew the person that had this property beforehand so we're in church streets which is right next to the rose return behind town hall um it is just one room. It's on the first floor. We don't have a lift, unfortunately, but we're quite help, you know, happy to help anyone come in if they need assistance. Um, and yeah, it is just one room. There are obviously toilets and, and facilities like that. Um, and yeah, it should be enough for, to start off with, I think. And the idea of it is just to come and relax mm-hmm. in, you know, you're an animal lover or even just love cats. You can just come and chill out. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't, don't have cats um, or if they're in accommodation, they're not allowed pets. Um, you know, it's it's basically, there are a lot of cat lovers out there, and, and like you say, the, the numbers of Manxies have, has declined, which is a shame. I mean, they are our native breed. You know, it, it's what epitomises the Isle of Man, isn't it? So, you know, even if you've never seen a Manx cat, you know, you can come down and at least hopefully interact with them if they're not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they do sleep a lot, so bear with us. So talking about the launch, when is it? I'm hoping it's going to be the end of May. Um, I haven't got a specific date, but I will post it up as soon as I've got it. The way we work here is that you pre-book a slot. So you need to go onto the website and pre-book a slot, which is an hour slot. It's £7 for your first hour, and then 6 every hour after that if you do block bookings, and you get free drink included in that price. Um, but the web, I'm waiting on the website to be up and running before I can launch so hopefully that's going to be within the next week or two we've got to keep our eyes peeled and uh, just quickly again Zoe the Facebook pages that people can reach you on so I've got uh, the Manx Cat Cafe Limited I've got a group there if you want to get in touch with us Uh, my breeder page is Triskley Manx Cats Isle of Man Um, and then we have the Manx Cat Alliance group as well which is the Cat Club one that was Zoe Grundy that's opening the new Manx Cat Cafe Fairly unique by the sounds of it, Kiri, isn't it? Very much so. I, I, as Zoe says there, they're, they're around the world. They're very, very popular. And, um, yeah, we wish her all luck in the world when she opens at the end of the month. But do go along. It's absolutely beautifully decorated out. And, obviously, if you don't keep pets, what an ideal way to spend a bit of time with animals. Yeah, and it's still one of the things that get mentioned, isn't it? Uh, when you speak to people, the Isle of Man. 
well, not in that accent, but they they say, um, oh, yeah, that's where you got the cats with no tails, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's exactly what Zoe said about the, the postcard picture of the cat with no tail. And obviously it was the breed. Lots of people say, you know, like she says, they're inbred, etc. But it's not when you actually find the history and, and the genetics and how they're bred. It, oh, what a fascinating story. And uh, good, good luck to Zoe doing all of this to support the Manx cat. <laughs> You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, 1886, it was opened, the Queen's Pier in Ramsey in the north of the Isle of Man. And it's, uh, it's fair to say it's got neglected and left. And uh, there was many times where they thought the pier was going to be, have to be uh, dismantled and took away. But a group got together and we'll find out where they're up to now. I caught up with the project manager for the Queen's Pier Restoration Trust, Captain Stuart McKenzie, to find out more. And the fact that the Trust has reached probably a monumental milestone in the quest to restore the Queen's Pier. Yes, I think you can probably say that because it's the end of uh, phase one, which was the uh, pilot project for what we're trying to do, and it uh, covers bays one, two, and three. Now, I think, was it four years ago this project started? What what got you going on it? Well, I think the fact was that um, uh, Tom Durant had this vision that, in fact, the pier should be brought uh, back into use. It was something which is a heritage um, first for the, the island in the sense that there's only one pier on the island and of course it's uh, in the north and we don't have that many things in the north yeah and of course the the only one that of the of the steel construction is it or the only one of any well i think it's i mean if you bear in mind it's, it's uh, 2160 feet long <laughs> it's the uh, sixth largest one and the longest one in the in the british isles so it's fairly significant mm, and this dates back i think think from memory 1886 when it was first opened. oh very good well done <laughs> yes 1886 it actually was built between 1882 and 1886 but it was opened um on july the 22nd 1886 by the then bishop well, what was so significant about the piers what was their main use in the day uh well of course there are two different types of pier and ours is not an entertainment pier it's a low water landing pier. It was built because, of course, Ramsey is a tidal harbour and the steam packet ships wanted a berth that was always uh, allowing them to be afloat. So that was why they put the pier uh, right out into the deeper water at that time um, and uh, it allowed ships to berth at, uh, even at low water and still remain afloat. Oh, so that was the the reason for these, to, to give them a sort of an extra birthing point. Yes, it? exactly. And of course, you see, it's only 22 foot wide, um, apart from at the very start. And uh, that means, of course, it doesn't uh, allow you to put entertainment on, uh, as is in, say, for instance, South End Pier or, or Hastings Pier, which you've got lots of entertainment. Now... When you started this project, there was lots of talk about it for many years. And here we are four years later. Uh, you've completed um, the first phase of it, so to speak. Looking back at it, is this a really big achievement? Because 
this is the most difficult part? Yes, it's the most difficult part, but I think it's more than that. It demonstrates uh, that it can be done. There were a lot of naysayers uh, at the start, and I think we were described as a bunch of geriatric farts, which I think is a bit unfair. And I think these geriatric uh, farts have done a fairly uh, decent job uh, it's not not an easy job, um, and it can be quite hazardous at times. So, your know, health and safety is very important. What about the the things you have to replace on it? I know, obviously, the the decking off it was wood. The what about the structures that go into the water? Uh, well, the legs uh, were uh, looked after by MPM ten years ago when they did the stability uh, work. So we haven't been involved with the legs. We've been involved with the main uh, decking structure, which starts with the steel girders, which sit on top of the legs. And then on top of them are wooden beams, which are transverse, and they're 11 by 4. On top of those, we've got stringers, which are 2.5 inches, and they go longitudinal. Because, you see, we're building up what's like a honeycomb. And on top of the uh, stringers, you then have the deck planks. Now, the deck planks on the original pier were made of a hardwood called Opepe, O-P-E-P-E. But we decided that we wanted to use the more modern Eki, E-K-K-I, which has been used by most of the restoration on all the piers throughout the British Isles. And it is sustainable. It comes from West Africa. Uh, comes into Belgium and then from Belgium to Cambridge and from Cambridge it came across to the island and it is um, uh, a harder wood than the OPP uh, but we hope that it will last you know the equal length of time. When you think of the pier or a structure you, you know I picture so some people will picture rope bridges with a bit of steel and just one plank across. But when you say this sort of honeycomb way it is, that it seems a lot more complex than that. Well, it also, of course, has got to take the weight of uh, uh, the tame train. Um, and uh, that's why we've laid the uh, railway lines down the centre. Uh, the railway lines at the moment, of course, are taking the luggage trolley, which many people will remember as being pushed along the railway lines to have uh, luggage on them. Uh, And that was refurbished by men in sheds and also uh, uh, just come back has been the uh, rebushed wheels because uh, it was a bit wonky on the rails. So that's just been refurbished as well. Uh, And uh, the weight of the train, of course, has got to be taken by the main structure so obviously uh, it has to be pretty solid and it is now how did you there was a lot of people supporting it fundraisers and people getting behind it originally uh, I mean that is that's is that the only reason it's got as far as it has oh yeah I mean without there, there's no government assistance uh, at all from a cash point of view um, they've helped us um, you know with advice and so on and this is good they are our landlord um, but uh, the fundraising has been wide and varied. The planks themselves were all sponsored by people and uh, 
<laughs> Believe me, every day I get either a phone call or an email saying, when can we buy the next planks from phase two? We want a, we missed out on the... So there's going to be no problem with the planks. But of course, the main structure costs something like £50,000 a bay. Um, so our next phase, which is five bays, we're talking two hundred and fifty grand to raise. So that is, has got to be of a function of... Uh, something as simple as tins in shops. Um, it is people who give £10 a month in uh, bank transfer. Uh, it's the large trusts who come to us with perhaps 5000 to £10,000, which uh, enables us to build up the funds to be able to carry on and do the work. There's a very uh, important uh, event happening later this year regarding... Isle of Man government, I mean, it could be a, a good point to get them in there. Um, well, <laughs> I think I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, certainly our further down the line look is the opening because we're going to uh, mark the 135th anniversary on the uh, 22nd of July and it uh, will be reopened um, by the governor, which many thanks and it uh, will allow us to open we think on perhaps on a Sunday uh, for general public uh, the reason that it can't be open all the time is because of course if we're working on phase two then it becomes a hazardous area and obviously you can't mix public with uh, the, uh, the, the the workers so so it's looking likely that on this day that the public will be able to come and stand on that first phase of the pier and admire what you've done. As uh, last Sunday, the sponsors of the plaques and planks on base two and three, they came on, but they were only allowed on in groups of 10 uh, because, as I say, it's not signed off yet. But the, the rest of the, the steel structure that you say that's, uh, that we can see quite prominently out to the sea as we're looking now, everyone's happy that that can can stay in place all this time? I'm not sure that that's exactly correct. The legs, yes, the legs are fine, but the structure which we're replacing uh, gradually is in a pretty poor condition. Um, When I go out to inspect it on there, I'm very, very careful where I put my feet. Uh, It's that bad a condition. And that, of course, is why it's being replaced. Um, If nothing is done, then there could be bits falling off, and that's what we don't want. And if people want to buy a plank or uh, offer their services or anything? Anything they can uh, pop in to see us. We're there every morning, except Sunday, um, from about 9 till half past 12, always, and sometimes in the afternoon, but always between 9 and half past 12. They can call in and have a chat. Uh, but please uh, don't uh, chase us for planks until we announce it. And then we're more than happy because we have a web shop, uh, qprt.im, which will go live when we are able to sell the planks. We can't do that till we have the lease in place. Brilliant. Well, well done to Thank you, you and all your team so Thank far. Thank you very much indeed. Captain Stuart McKenzie, project manager for the Queenspear Restoration Trust. Just get your pens ready for when uh, the um, the invitation to buy the planks for, for the next section of it uh, will be 
becoming available. So It's absolutely wonderful that they've done such a great job. And obviously, all through donations and people's goodwill as well, um, it's so important that we hang on to some of our history. And, and like whether it's the Manx Cat or whether it's the, the Queen's Pier there, uh, these are iconic to our island and we cannot lose this heritage. No, and uh, I don't suppose uh, you ever got the chance to walk on the pier, did you? I never did, no. Uh, but it absolutely beautiful photographs come from up there with the uh, the sunrise in the background on some of them and when people are able to go and enjoy and watch the sunrise come up on that uh, pier will be something else won't it that's it for this week's countryside don't forget if you want something featured let us know countryside at manxradio.com or leave a message here for kiri kumoda simon clark at manx radio the podcast is available with the interviews in full so don't forget to uh, click on that doesn't cost you anything and we'll be back next tuesday with more so from me simon clark and me kiri kumoda We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.